Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we're going to talk about the development of some land in Western Sydney. Right, we've got a developer and we've got a number of landowners. And what happens essentially is that the developer and the landowners enter into an agreement in 2008 and then a later agreement in 2010 for the developer to come in and develop (laughs) and the landowners to own the land that the developer is developing. Now, we don't need to go into the ownership of the land too deeply, but basically it's a reasonably large-ish area of land with a fair few different owners. Indeed, entities related to the developer uh, own some of the land. But for us, we're going to speak really today about the developer and one of the landowners who get into a bit of a dispute. So, uh, after entering into the agreement, development starts. The developer starts getting to work but the relationship breaks down and uh, the developer <coughs> ish, uh, lodges some caveats over the landowner's land uh, in relation to securing the landowner's obligation to pay the developer for the work. Make sense? Caveats are over the landowner's land. Now, in 2018, uh, those existing caveats are replaced by new ones. Also, the developer says, pursuant to its rights found in the 2010 agreement, And the landowner uh, is unimpressed with this and commences proceedings for the removal of those caveats. Now, having commenced those proceedings, uh, the parties go ahead to mediation. And what happened is, uh, what often happens in mediation, which is the parties reached an agreement. And they recorded that agreement in a document called the Heads of Agreement. And that document attempted to deal with all the disputes, all the issues arising from the 2010 agreement and the subsequent disputes, and to sort of deal with, right, how are we going to go ahead and develop this land in future? Now, both parties sought orders for specific performance of that agreement, because both parties were unimpressed with what the other party was doing pursuant to that heads of agreement. Those applications for specific performance came before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court made some orders saying, right, you've got to go through steps one, two, three, and four uh, parties in order to perform your obligations pursuant to this agreement. Uh, And the landowner was unimpressed. I withdraw that. The developer was unimpressed with the outcome and the developer appealed. And we now find ourselves in the Court of Appeal. Now, essentially, there were four issues that the court firstly, at first instance, and then on appeal, had to come and grapple with in relation to the specific performance of the heads of agreement. I know sometimes we get bogged down in legal terms. Specific performance is what it sounds like. It is your right or my right to come to the court and say, and argue and say, hey, the person I have contracted with agreed to do X. I now want the court to force this person to do X, to force this person to specifically perform what they agreed to do, right? So remember back in the Supreme Court, both parties said, I want specific performance. I want the other person to do what they said they'd do. And the heads of agreement, that's just a fancy name for the settlement contract, the settlement agreement that the parties entered into to try to deal with all their rights. So we're back to thinking about the specific performance of the settlement agreement 
in the Court of Appeal. Four issues. Uh, the first issue is the developer said, um, hey, the agreement, which is to say the heads of agreement, contemplated a second, more formal version of the document being entered into. And what the court found was that that's not quite right. Um, the document itself was a Class II Masters and Cameron document, which is to say it's a document that set out all the terms of the parties' agreement and also contemplated some future formal agreement being executed, but did not countenance a r entire replacement. So we can talk about Masters and Cameron another day, but essentially it's a case that helps us understand um, what uh, the meaning of earlier, slightly more informal agreements are when there are further relationships between the contracting parties. But essentially today, what the court said was, this was a class two Masters and Cameron, uh, which means that um, it is sufficient as it stands. It was an agreement between the landowner and the developer and some others uh, to enter into these various other formal documents to go ahead with the development. They included easements, which we'll come to in a moment. And so what the court said as well in dealing with the developer's application was to say, well, developer, even if that's wrong, even if the settlement contemplated some replacement agreement uh, to knock the heads of agreement out of the way and to have some bigger, longer and more formal contract in place, well, the practical effect of that is not really very big at all. We might have to change some of the specific performance orders made in the Supreme Court, but basically it's the same thing. And so practically, you're not really applying for anything of much moment in this dispute. And so the developer failed on issue one, failed to convince the court that the heads of agreement contemplated some additional future replacement document. No replacement needed. Issue two was the width of the easement. Our landowner said that the easement was 16 metres for the construction of a road and these sorts of things. What the developer said was, no, no, it's 21.6 metres. Now, the development application, which is to say the council permission to develop the land, was 16 metres. That's what the parties are referred to in the heads of agreement, the settlement agreement. And there were some reports beforehand talking about 16 metres, 16 metres. Now, what the developer said is, look, this road is going to be a certain type of road that's going to have buses running on it and that's going to be categorised in a certain way that means it ought not just be the, uh, I'll use the word standard loosely, the standard 16 metres, it ought instead be the larger 21.6 metres. Uh, and what the court found was that, look, if you can run garbage trucks and that sort of thing along the road, you can run some buses. Uh, and in any case, there's nothing in the evidence put before the court that suggests that the road was that wider 21.6 metres rather than what the parties agreed and what was in the DA of 16 metres. So the developer failed on issue two, the easement width. Issue three was, is there a construction easement? Is there an obligation for the landowner to provide an easement, which is to say to provide permission to the developer to come in onto the landowner's land for the purposes of construction? What the developer said was, look, even though we didn't write it down in the heads of agreement that there was a construction easement, Frankly, it's necessary to imply a term that a construction easement was granted because how else are we going to build this thing uh, if the landowner doesn't give us an easement, doesn't let us onto the land? Now, <clears throat> frankly, 
the court found it was not necessary to imply the terms based on the law relating to the implication of terms that some of you will be familiar with. Uh, the heads of agreement was about dealing with the 2010 uh, original agreement and dealing with the dispute. It wasn't dealing with the construction logistics and in any case, it wasn't shown to the court that it was necessary for the construction easement to be granted in order for the development to progress. So the developer loses on issue three. Issue four, uh, is there an easement grant for a roundabout found somewhere in the heads of agreement? Uh, the issue there was fairly short, no. And uh, in making that finding, the court also found that RMS, the, uh, the road regulator, the government body dealing with roads in New South Wales, could potentially acquire some land for that purpose if it needed to. So there was no necessity for an implied easement term. So the developer appealed the first instance Supreme Court orders for specific performance, saying that there should be another formal document, lost on that, saying the easement should be wider, lost on that, saying there should be a construction easement, lost on that, saying there should be a roundabout easement, lost on that. And you may be unsurprised to hear that the developer failed on appeal and did not get its costs with the landowner uh, receiving an order for its costs in relation to the appeal. Thank you for joining me for that reasonably long <laughs> adventure to the Court of Appeal. Hope it assisted you and I look forward to speaking again soon uh, over another coffee, perhaps on not such a slanty table. So that's me vertically, so I'll just slant for you. Uh, and in respect of another case note, cheers.